Hi everyone and welcome back to the Silver Linings Podcast. Can you believe that we're at episode number 15? I am so excited for you all to listen to this episode. It is the second part of my conversation with Kevin. And for those of you that have not had a chance to listen to part one, I really recommend listening to that. It is on Spotify and Kevin and I had a chance to talk about his social work journey and what led him to pursue social work. In part two of the conversation, we get to to talk about what boundaries mean to Kevin. We talk about how survival mode is factored into that definition. We also talk about the carceral state and how it affects and very much molds our experiences in academia. For those of you that don't know Kevin, Kevin is a school social worker, he's a trauma therapist, and he's also the founder and host of his own podcast called Facts. And he is just an all-around incredible human being. I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode and would love to hear your thoughts after. Would love to hear if you have any suggestions or thoughts on what you'd like to hear on this podcast. But so grateful for every single person that's taken the chance, the time to listen to this. Sending so much love and enjoy. navigate each space how I think will benefit me and that like I could be the best version of myself in that space and not and not try to like fit in this box you know so I think people usually call us like the unicorn I, even stuff like that I don't like it because I don't know it, it makes it seem like that shouldn't be normal right oh Kev it is the work and the work I, I feel like and I don't want to steal this because I forget where I heard it from, but it's like being a human being with privilege on this earth. Mm. Like, you know, we talk about like activism, but it it shouldn't be a choice. If you if you're able to to show up and do that work, that work is yours to do. And social work is grounded and, and unfortunately, I mean, that's a different conversation, right, of, of what social work is grounded in and what we believe the future of social work can be grounded in. And I'm wondering for you what excites you in social work and and how you show up in that lens. Yeah, I think social work, like the thing with social work, though, is that I love the profession. But like even Mm -hmm. the profession itself have a lot that they need to change Mm -hmm. within as far as like being more diverse. This this whole exam, licensing Mm -hmm. thing, you know, how, you know, like how that goes. But like for me, I try to like, like, yes, I'm a social worker, but also I'm me. Right. Mm-hmm. So I try to like combine the two. They have a balance, yeah, like have yeah, a balance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like with social work, it's so much that comes with it. It's like a like I think that was a loaded question. But like, I don't know. It's different. I think with social work, though, the, the, the cool thing about it is that like you could be so flexible with it. Mm. And I think I love the fact that I could be in, in different mm-hmm. spaces. And I think for me, it's a little bit different because like. You know, I'm coming into the field as the minority, not not just because of race, but also like gender. Mm. So for me, like my perspective is a little bit different. You know, I stand out a lot. Like I don't know, it's it's, it's different. It's different for me. So, but what I try to do is use all those, because also that's a privilege too mm. in certain spaces. Mm. But also it could be like not so privileged. You know, so like I try to like navigate each space how I think will benefit me. And that like I could be the best version of myself in that space and not and not try to like fit in this box, you know. So I think people usually call us like the unicorn. I, even stuff like that, I don't like it because I don't know, it, it makes it seem like 
that shouldn't be normal. Right. You understand? Like, right. I think, but at first, like, I used to be like, yeah, I'm the only, right, you know, right, like, right. Yeah. yeah. I used to be proud yeah. about it, but now when I look back, it's like, that's kind of, like, sad, though, because, like, there's so much men that should be in the field, you know, you are able to connect to certain people that a woman may not connect to, mm-hmm. right? And that's just a fact. And a lot of these policies, too, right, when you think about it, a lot of policies that we, like, the social work profession fight, right, affects a lot of black males, mostly. Mm-hmm. Not all the times, but, like, most of them do. Wouldn't you want somebody to represent you in that way? That's, re- like, representation matters. Right. And I think my first exposure to that was when I went to I went to Albany in undergrad with the social work club at the time. And, you know, I forgot what we was advocating for, but we, I think we was a- advocating for, like, secondary school when it comes to, like, pe- those who are incarcerated, mm-hmm. like, they should receive education mm-hmm. because it's it's much cheaper having them get an education rather than being in jail. Like, when I went to Albany, like, we was legit, like, the only black group that was there. Everyone was just, like, put it frank, was white. And then you having people going there advocating for policies that affects us. That's That's the crazy part. So, like, when I was exposed to that, like, that kind of made me look, you know, look at my situation a little bit differently and wanted to, like, have that door open to the next person that may look like me and need to be able to walk through the same doors I'm walking to but be better than me, you know? So, like, that's why I tried to, like, and I think that's why I moved a little bit differently. Like I told you, like, when I came to NYU, I wasn't really trying to make friends. I wasn't really trying to, like, you know, do too much. I came in for one reason, that was to get my MSW and bounce. I think because I wanted to, like, be purposeful with what I do because I know it's not just about me. It's about those who come behind me, those who need to come to space. So I think me going to NYU was dope, right? I'm not going to lie. Like, I was excited about it. But also I knew that, like, I'm glad I got in because now the next person that's trying to get in, I look like me, he's going to be able to get in. It'll be that much easier for him. So I think that's how I kind of move now. And I think it should be like that, you know? I mean, I'm still young. I'm 25. Like, I'm still young. I think about that and how it, we always talk about in social work how our healing is, is not just for ourselves, it's connected to others. And also just to rewind what you said about being the unicorn and right first, it's like, <laughs> yeah, like, you know. Um, like, we here. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, and that feels exciting and validating in a way to the experience of feeling like you're the only person um, sitting in a classroom that looks like you. And so that can be validating. And also, I, I, I firmly believe that, like, so many of the labels and the titles that we wear just don't serve us because they don't honor the fullness of ourselves. Yeah. And so it's like having a balance, like you said. And then thinking about, in the end, what you said was so beautiful about how this experience represents so much outside of your personal experience because it represents opportunities and possibilities for others. Mm. And it reminds me of this book we had to read in my policy class, a book called Decolonizing Wealth. Companies are talking about diversity and now it's like, it's it's upsetting in the ways that it's being talked about because like we mentioned, it's become such a, a trend mm. in a way that so loses, it t- takes away from the meaning and the importance of those concepts. And the author of that book talks about how diversity, not just in in race and gender and sexuality, but also in diversity of thoughts from people of those identities, because it's it can be so dehumanizing when you think about filling a quota for the sake of meeting diversity requirements. But if you're not in a space that's actually encouraging diversity of thought and ideas in a space that largely values assimilation culture and, and fitting in with the norm, then how much does that really serve representation and diversity? And I know you mentioned this before too, Kev, about imagination and in Dr. J's class, we were talking about the carceral state and other other places that we see the carceral state being represented. And a lot of that is through our education because mm-hmm. we are taught to neglect our imagination and to 
to not trust it and to almost fear it. And I think the reality is that people are scared of us to trust our imagination because then we could be imagining something so different from what we have. And that's scary to people. So we are taught strategically to abandon that, be attracted to jobs that are more formulaic and structured. So there's just like so much of that. So to sit here and to be speaking about that, like I have the chills and it's inspiring <laughs> and it's powerful. The world's not really, it's not perfect at all. So like, you know, we have to understand that there's so much work to be done. You know, you see all the time. So like what I try to do is just like try to be more intentional with what I do and try to be part of the solution, not part of the problems. Mm. And that, that thing is hard too, because sometimes you have to check yourself. Mm. And sometimes checking yourself it doesn't it's not a really good feeling, but it's definitely a necessary one. You know, I think if we have more people who think like us, you know, things will definitely move a little bit quicker. Mm. But sometimes that's not always the case because I've been in a classroom where like, you know, students were like real ignorant yeah. and didn't understand certain things. And like you will be saying something that's like, yo, that's real. Mm. They're looking at you like, why is he talking? <laughs> like, right, you know, right. I'm just like I'm talking because, like, you know, so I get the part, too, like, even professors having to be in tough positions where they, they feel like they can't do what they could do fully to the best of their abilities because of, like, the systems. This is why, like, you need to put yourself in a position where, like, you could, like, it doesn't matter if you lose your job or whatever. Like, you still got something to, to, to lean back on or, like, the person who hired you understand that, like, you're not going to put me in a box. Like, I can't work for anybody or, or work for any place where I can't be myself. So, like, that's what it is. And I know that it comes with, like, maybe, maybe not having as much opportunities than those who don't really care about that. Right. But that's something that you, you, you have to be able to, like, live with or live without. So, I don't know. Like, even coming here, like, I wasn't I wasn't trying to be shy about, like, my persona right. personality, who right. I am. Like, you know, I'm going to walk my walk. And if you don't like it, it's okay. Because sometimes I'm not for everyone. Right. You know, like, you can't please everyone. No. That's, that's one thing people need to, like, understand. I think social media has a big part with that. Like, you needing mm -hmm. to, like, get all those likes, yes. have everybody like you. Yes. Honestly, I don't really care about all that stuff. Like, the way I kind of look at it is, like, if I could reach one person and mm. they could take something from me mm. and they can use it and that makes them a better person, that's what really matters to me. Yes. You know, it's about those small steps, those small ones. I think that there is, that's something that I struggle with for so long, right? Yeah. This feeling like seeking the approval of others as a standard for a sense of worthiness and sense of belonging, when in reality, when I feel myself performing to please others it's when i'm sacrificing who i am mm. and then it feels so icky after because i know that i did it and I, I know that i wasn't being true to myself and so much of that is learned so there is grace that comes with that process but mm -hmm. the the ickiness is informing of future actions it's like wow like yeah. that doesn't feel good and that does i i was saying this that I used to live my life wanting to prove myself to other people, prove myself that I was smart enough, that I was talented enough, that they could take me seriously. So the last time I spend trying to feel seen by other people is when I actually feel the most seen. Mm. And so it's so opposite, but that's like, that to me is such a big reminder. You know that body language? Now it's like, okay, how can I put it in words kind of thing? Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at me like, yo, that was a lot. <laughs> I know, I'm, so, I'm, I'm feeling so, so yeah. because I think that you've just provided language to an experience that, you know when something's like in your head and you're like, well, what's going on? <laughs> like it sounds like boundaries when you talk about your experiences growing up was survival. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It was crazy. Like I remember like, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, no, but like when you say survival, that's really what it was. Like I wasn't even trying to thrive. I was right, trying to survive. Right. 
And like, I remember things being so normal where like a kid came up to me was like, cause like I used to live closely from a park and that park was very known to be like high traffic. Like it was a good park, but during certain times of the day, it could be active, meaning that there's people either looking for somebody in that park because they have beef. And what I mean by beef is that they have conflict, whether, whether it comes from like problems with their family, it could be a fight, it could be that they kill somebody, whatever, we just don't know, mm-hmm. right? So I wasn't into that, but like I was surrounded by all that because everybody and in that neighborhood, you know, your friend could have been in the, in the game, but you just didn't know it. Oh, your friend could have been, or oh, his cousin could have been in it, and but he got caught up with it because it's just family stuff. So like, I was surrounded with all that stuff, but like by God's grace, I didn't get involved in nothing. Like I was exposed to everything, but like I was able to navigate that. But I remember one time, like you know, things were so normal where this kid was like, "Yo, look, you know, take this bag and take it, take it down the block, go inside the house and put it by the window and conceal it, right?" And like cops was everywhere around, and like I'm me, me didn't know. Like I had the bag, it was a bag of bullets. Imagine if I got stopped. I was, I was probably young like, i had to be like either in middle school or like maybe going to high school not yeah. too sure but imagine if i got stopped right and that would have been like a difference like my whole life would probably have changed in that one second right because that was like it felt so short but that walk felt so long and like, i remember like doing it and then like my friends looking at me like yo you wildin', you can't be doing that so that's crazy like I didn't know how to like set that boundary mm-hmm. at that time, and also like I didn't know like how like where what spaces that I you know I fit in, mm-hmm. and I think at that moment I learned like something clicked, something clicked like oh you have to like find a way, continue to navigate, but you have to do better because that one slip up could change your whole life. And I I seen it all the time. I seen kids who were in my school mm-hmm. ten times smaller than me, and then they got caught up with being with the wrong crowd or whatever, and they was doing jail time while I was in college. I'm like yo that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like you could have been either done with college because you was that smart that was kind of like the the environment that i grew up in but also it was still my home though like i'll still go back there it'll be nothing but love and that's where i, I gained a lot of my experience from that's where like my sense of like social justice mm-hmm. came from wanted to help people came from because i knew that i needed help a lot of people that i know need help but you don't really see it as that like, you see it as like that's everyday life you know so it was definitely a situation that like that put that light bulb and i think Another turning point in my life was when I decided to go to high school, but like outside. So I was going to high school in the city. I was going like my high school was called, I think it's still called Chelsea Career Technical mm-hmm. High School. And that was right there on Spring Street. Right. You know, I was in the middle of like Soho. You got the pier right there. So like come, going to school to the, in the city was like, like, you know, being exposed to a lot of things. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like, you know, I met like people like ASAP Rocky before he got mm-hmm. big. Just by walking through Soho. Mm-hmm. And it was it was crazy. So I think me being exposed to different things also changed my mindset because a lot of people in my neighborhood, all they knew was the block, all they knew was that park, mm-hmm. all they knew was you know where they live at. So I think growing up, that's what kind of helped me being exposed to different people. It's what changed my perspective. So when I came back in, um, to my neighborhood, it was like, yo, like we need, yeah, I need to like think a little bit differently. Like, you know, it's more to to Brooklyn, New York, or whatever. But it's very hard to take yourself out of that equation when you don't really have the right people around you, and then you're not really exposed to certain. Right, that school is actually a few blocks from where I grew up at, so I'm able to like, you know, drop some game to these kids and make them understand. Like, listen, I grew up in this neighborhood. You can't tell me nothing that you are not exposed to. 
you know, and, you know, I'm telling you, like, listen, you need to do this in order for you to get there. And, you know, it's just crazy. Everything is full circle for me. Yeah. Like, even coming here, like, everything is full circle to me. Yeah, so. It sounds like that. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. It's true. When you describe that story of when you were given a bag, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, especially when you're that young, yeah. you, we, we don't have those, you know, we're learning. We're still learning, yeah. Yeah, so you're taking this bag and it doesn't make sense to assume the worst, right? Yeah. When you're learning about the world. When you were talking about before self-disclosure, secrecy in a lot of ways is the opposite of community building. Mm. And so when you think about it, you're right, someone who has learned to have so many boundaries and so many walls up fitting with them, and it's unfair to believe that they could trust you with so many of their stories sitting there like you're not even a human being, like you're someone who's like we were talking about before, polished and more robotic and doing things from a script. There is vulnerability in both sides of therapy. Like you mentioned, intentional. It is a two-way process. It's connection, it's relationship building, and secrecy can be dangerous in that space. Like, I'm so glad you highlighted that because <laughs> as, someone, as someone who's about to start being a therapist, that's yeah. something that I keep in mind a lot because I don't want to fall into that. Uh, a phrase that we hear a lot too, especially in therapy, is like, oh, we need to be person-centered. Person-centered is, is not a bad thing, but also it comes with its limitations. So, you know, what I try to do when I work with clients is be like more community-centered mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and trying to figure out, okay, what are some things that they are connect connected to outside of our therapy that matters, even with safe spaces. You know, I, I came across this poem and, you know, Brave Space was something that came out of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's more real because like you have to understand that like you can't really give somebody a safe space really because like once they leave they are exposed to so many factors that you can't control so like to me a brave space is acknowledging that listen this space it is safe for the time being mm -hmm. because we are you know i'm creating that environment but the moment that you walk out my off you have to be able to fend for yourself and yeah. you have to be able to use what skills that you either picked up in our session or within yourself in order to get by because that's real like preparing them for that i try to like not put my clients into like theory and try to mm -hmm. fit them in because like honestly these theories are you know whitewashed so sometimes some information it, it definitely makes sense and it could definitely be useful some the other ones just not like you need to be able to like utilize what the person is going through first mm -hmm. what system that they're exposed to and like use them remember like they, they are the expert of yes. their life so like you have yes. to really feed off of like the things that they're telling you and what they share because that is what matters and I, being like a, a early clinician like some of my mistakes was trying to incorporate cbt and everything mm -hmm. and be like this book guy right. and like when sometimes like you just need a, a session to flow and then all those skills that you are trying to use are going to come naturally you can't force certain things so I, you know that's a, a piece that a lot of clinician needs to use and, and understand like mm -hmm. you could be like that said like the smartest person in the room but sometimes that may not be useful for that person like you got to think yes. about that client the client don't yes. know what you are trying to do or mm -hmm. what skills you're trying to like you don't have to make it be known like you just have to be able to meet them where they at and you know see them because I've totally done that I remember <laughs> with my first client I was like oh my gosh I need to remember like what I yeah. went to school and I have to talk in like a certain tone and I have and then you think how much does that behavior mirror the systems and the behaviors that we're trying to challenge mm. is that it does a huge disservice to our clients too for sure yeah because it's not only dehumanizing for us but for them as well because yeah. it's not some sort of like experiment so like, here we go again yeah right <laughs> it's like okay and it's not helpful for both parties and I've definitely made that mistake too mm. and something that my supervisor said to me and she 
she's incredible and she said every time I felt like I messed up or I like went rogue or I was like what did I just say or do and of course there are learning experiences yeah. in that, and there is such a need to hold oneself accountable when you mm-hmm. when you understand the privilege it is to be in those spaces but she was saying that like therapy is connecting with someone it's two people you're doing your best to see the way that that person connects yeah. and trying to meet them there and I was like when you break it down like that's so simple yeah. it's like CBT what like it's just so simple <laughs> that's so simple like, yeah. yeah and like you know like and then you're gonna see it too with the work you do with the client keeps showing up you know that you're doing something right so sometimes even sometimes our supervisors may not even have like the best advice I think my one of my favorite things to do is take everything with a grain of salt mm-hmm. because what works for you may not work for me yes. and sometimes that that's for real like you need to be able to like make mistakes do your thing and then repeat it and then keep doing it because unfortunately you have social workers too you know have conservative values mm-hmm. and you know think real narrow about certain yeah. things and you don't want to embody those things because mm-hmm. like you know things are always changing and with social work it has to change with the times and i think it, i think social work is trying to do that now right. the profession itself and you know it's gonna take time to get everybody on board mm-hmm. but like i try to like not dwell on things that i can't control and yeah. focus on things that i could control like because that's is where i could put my time and money mm-hmm. in and knowing that i'm gonna get results you know yes. yeah. yeah and kev i'm wondering because i know we talked about so many things but is mm-hmm. there anything that we didn't get to that you wanted to share and sheesh i mean i've never been asked that question the crazy part is like you also got to give yourself like props too because like i'm not really a person that, that is real comfortable with throwing myself out there and mm-hmm. i think it's the first time i actually did that i didn't feel like that i felt like you know conversation because yeah. of your energy so like honestly like i'm just grateful to just be in your present and like to just be able to like you know contribute to what you already got going on and yeah man like I, i'm just i'm just good like what we want to take it out like we could still take it we could talk all day like Literally. yeah yeah yeah. Right back at you. This yeah. has been such an honor and a gift for me. <laughs> and you were talking about holding space, and I do feel like so much of I got to share so much of myself in this conversation. Mm, which is I good. appreciate you so much yeah. for that. And it felt so natural and comfortable, and I feel so energized. And I think yeah. you know we were just talking about slowing down, and I think that th- that's what this is for me. Yeah. <laughs> like I told you, it was like dance shows all weekend. Yeah. This is such a treat for me to actually slow down, and yeah. I appreciate it so much. And that means we have to do it again. Yeah. Now for sure now we definitely do yeah cheers thank you so <laughs> no much. problem no problem <laughs>